0: Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases.
1: Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast?
0: And the wannabes.
1: Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will.
0: Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? To Stuck in the '80s. It's your host, Steve Spears, with TampaBay.com. dot and with me today is not Sean Daly. Nope. I have with me the Times film critic, Steve Persall. I always wondered what happened to you.
1: Well, I fulfilled a lot
0: of people's predictions about me. I've become a real scumbag.
1: I just consider this my baby gift to Sean and Jen out there. You know, I'm, I'm going to you know give them something to something smart to listen to for a change.
0: <laughs> oh, nasty. Uh, Sean's on family leave uh, after the birth of his baby. Everyone knows about that because he's been writing about it on his blog for about two weeks now. Probably longer than the gestation period. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's all too true. But Steve's with me today because uh, this year marks the 80th anniversary of the Academy Awards. (laughs) And uh, so naturally, I think it's time to talk about the Academy Awards from the '80s. Well, I've I've been um,
1: I've been around most of those '80 Academy Awards too. So you know, it's um actually I sort of skipped the '80s. You know, at that time I was I was doing a lot of writing for a local music magazine. I was covering a lot of concerts, and I was covering the uh, stand-up comedy circuit that was very big at that time, and. Didn't get to quite as many movies as I should have. We didn't have this job for another decade
0: after that or so. But uh yeah, we'll see what we can do. I'm sure you'll stump me on something. Yeah, I have a quiz for those uh who were wondering. We always have a quiz for a show like this. I, I'm I'm pretty confident that I can stump the master. Well. I I've, I've had it in for him ever since you gave that really good review to Tin Cup. <laughs> Worst movie ever. That's a pretty girl. It's such an ugly swing.
1: Now, you've had it in for me since that time that you invited me on here trying to convince me that Footloose was a good movie. Oh, yeah. If you go back that was the, That was the only time you ever had me on a really? podcast, and just because I disagreed with you, <laughs> you just ignored me after that. It, it, it took Sean to to spawn uh, in order to get me back in here again.
0: If, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, go way back in time if you want. It's more than two years ago, to the, I think Footloose was one of the first five podcasts we did for Stuck in the 80s, it was me and Gina Vivanetta were the hosts back then. You're really not a nice guy. Not that, that, you know, I only agreed to do this whole Stuck in the 80s thing with you because I thought you were a nice boy who would never do things like that to a girl at a I YouTube concert. I was 16 concert. years old. What did you expect from me? Well, I'm very disappointed in you. And uh, we tackled Footloose. I think it might have been one of our second movies. I think Breakfast Club we talked about first. And Footloose was like num- episode number five. And uh, we wanted, I wanted to bring up Steve because I thought, well, surely Steve will recognize the genius that is... Uh, Wren and the the town of Beaumont. I like Wren and Stumpy. And sadly, he did not share the same appreciation that that a lot of us have for the 80s. But I think your points were dead on. And uh, I think if I were to watch uh, Footloose now, you know, 20 some years later, I, I don't think I'd have the same connection I do to it then. But I have that theory with a lot of 80s movies that. You had to see him. You had to see him for the first time in the '80s in the full context of the decade, or else.
1: Well, that that happens with a lot of movies. I was just talking to uh, John Fleming, our, our performing arts critic. He said he he'd rented uh, a Deer Hunter to watch this weekend from '78, and you know I, I've used that class before, and I, I use that film in a college class that I'll teach uh, every once in a while, or portions of it. And you know you, the context now, the context then is not the same as it is now. Uh, our our attitudes toward war in that case, or dancing and, and evangelical christianism <laughs> in <laughs> footloose's case you're know, quite a bit different perhaps so yeah it, it happens
0: well let me start you off with the most obvious question 80s is a decade concerning movies overrated underrated overappreciated underappreciated you know the the, the thing is the 80s are in
1: an unusual uh, situation because it was in the mid to late seventies with jaws and star Wars and these kinds of things that Hollywood got into this blockbuster imperative and, and got away from let's say conventional or, you know, uh, uh, just traditional storytelling, getting more into the flash and dazzle, that sort of thing. At the same time, the Academy voters, these guys are, are, when they become a member, they're there for life. They're getting older, so I think it was sort of a, a knee-jerk reflex uh, against that idea of movies becoming toys, as some of them may have thought, and that's why you see a lot of you know really somber, ultra serious, and, and very conventional movies winning the Oscars in the '80s, while at the same time, more interesting movies. Now, and, and I'll give you you know I'll give John Hughes some credit for for uh, for you know the, the fact of bringing a youth, a smart youth audience into it. Um, but also, you know, Steven Spielberg grows up. Um, Martin Scorsese grows up. All the all the film school brats the, of the seventies sort of came into their own in the eighties, but still weren't getting their appreciation. Which is why Scorsese didn't get an Oscar till last year. Why? Why uh, Spielberg didn't get one till about what uh, was it ninety three or four with um, with ninety seven? I think it was with Schindler's List. Right. So um, you know, it's, it, it's it's one of those periods of time where the industry was changing, but the people whose Uh, opinions, the Academy Voters, their opinions are basically what sort of defines that industry. They hadn't caught on fast enough, perhaps, and uh, you you probably did see a lot of very good movies overlooked, uh, completely ignored in some cases there, too.
0: Now, now, you write a blog for the same P Times, same as us, and yours is at slash movies. Right, reeling in the years. And uh, I, I've been accused too many times of writing too much about the movies and not enough about music on my blog, so we're sort of of the same ilk here. But uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote a list of showing the 10 winners for Best Picture in the 80s and who they were competing against and who I thought should have won. And uh, I think it'd be kind of cool to go through that list real quickly. And let's just remind people of some of the bizarre movies from the 1980s. That uh,
1: and, and keep in mind, as I said, these are old voters. These are voters who were on their walkers by that time. And they're voting for their friends. They're voting for the old school type of filmmaking. So you're going to see much more conventional stuff and, and, and a lot of great movies
0: overlooked entirely. So 1980, we have uh, nominated for Best Picture, Coal Miner's Daughter, mm-hmm. The Elephant Man, Ordinary People, Raging Bull, and Tess well Tess I never saw Tess I never heard of Tess well
1: Tess was a Roman Polanski uh, period drama. I think it was Natasha Kinski played in it was, it was one of her breakthrough roles here in the states
0: Nudity. Uh, am I'm,
1: I'm sure there was I mean if, if Polanski like had anything to do with it I'm sure there was but uh, basically, but Coal Miner's Daughter, very conventional, very standard, you know, uh, celebrity biography. You've got two movies that really stand out there. I mean, Raging Bull has been widely acknowledged in, in the two decades since as being probably the greatest movie of the 80s, not just that particular year. And it, uh, it gets overlooked there. And yeah. Elephant Man, uh, one of the first breakthroughs for David Lynch. As I said, one of those mavericks of the 70s who's starting to come into his own that the Academy just can't really buy into entirely
0: yet. Right. And, and, and strangely enough, the statue goes to the one movie we haven't talked about yet, Ordinary People. And there's a reason why we haven't talked about that movie. That movie was, was boring.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. But see, here's another little phenomenon that starts popping up in the 80s. Um, fil- uh, film actors who become directors. And uh, since the actors branch of the Academy is its largest single branch, that's when you start getting people like um, in this case, Robert Redford, later Kevin Costner, um, um, uh, Warren Beatty, these kind of guys who are one of their pals, one of their drinking buddies who are um, making movies at this time. And they get uh, their movies get a lot more attention than possibly they
0: deserve, including that one right there. Yeah, I, I, I could say uh, with all honesty, I never saw it all the way through. Uh, I just wanted to kill myself. I well, so did Timothy
1: Hutton. That's what happened in the movie. But uh, it's it's one of those movies that it, 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 the acting is good. I can hold on to it until it, it it sort of defined that whole idea, that whole cliche of the the psychological breakthrough with the psychiatrist yeah. at the end. You know, everything's going to get cured. And, and Judd Hirsch. You know, I'm sorry, he was great in, in Taxi, but um, not exactly the the screen heavyweight. You know, that should handle a role like that, perhaps.
0: 1981, we have uh, the nominees Atlantic City, Chariots of Fire on Golden Pond, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Reds. Mm -hmm. And the winner
1: was? Chariots of Fire. Yeah, that was a big, huge surprise and a disappointment to me, too. That's a movie that, I've got to be very honest with you, I haven't gotten all the way through. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was a track coach when I was teaching high school, too, and I I mean, I couldn't really um, get into it.
0: I think you take away the cheesy synthesizer theme song which i mean it's eternally connected with the beginning of the 80s it, i think it's a great movie mm-hmm. um the, the guy who plays uh, the lead character harold abrahams um ben cross ben cross would go on to do nothing mm-hmm. and uh and that shocks me to this day
1: well i think it was ralph richardson played the uh the uh, old uh, uh stately guy who was uh sort of against him getting in there ralph richardson and ian Holm too i remember them uh the, yeah. the little clips that i have seen you
0: john like gilgood's in there. Is, yeah. in, it, it, there's a lot of it's it's a real english movie it's about the the olympics in paris in 1920 something something 22 something. um but it's, I, I love it i will watch it every time it's on i don't i don't uh regret it winning um, it's a shame, though it has to come. Uh, wh- who would you have picked? Would you?
1: You know what? Out of that uh, list right there, and at that particular time, I thought uh, Atlantic City was was the best movie I saw that year. Wow. Um, Bert Lancaster. Uh, not can't say at the top of his game because he was sort of at the end of his career a young Susan Sarandon uh, there's some nudity for you ah. uh, especially when she's uh, washing the fish smell off of her by rubbing uh, uh, lemons on her okay. bear, uh, can we talk about this kind of yeah. thing? Here? <laughs> I'm so Would turned Would you excuse <laughs> me for just a second here? I'm glad you're in the other room. There's a there.
0: curtain I can close between our two windows if Steve,
1: you want. Steve, Steve, stop pumping my leg, please. Uh, but, you know, if, if you look at in terms of posterity, those kinds of things, you can't beat Raiders. Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark. I mean, but um, that, that's one of those things where Spielberg's success sort of played against him. He was making so much money that the Academy didn't want to give him their gold uh, and, you know, for quite a
0: few years. And you see a lot of his movies overlooked in that regard. Speaking of moneymakers, let's turn ourselves to a 1982 where we have Gandhi, <laughs> Missing, Tootsie, the verdict, and some unknown flick called E.T. the Extraterrestrial.
1: Yeah, well, um, I've never heard of it myself. Tell me about it. What's
0: it about? You know, I, I say this often. I've yet to see that. I bet I've seen maybe twenty minutes of that movie. Really, you've never seen no E.T. all no, the way through. No, nineteen eighty-two. You, know, I'm thinking nineteen eighty-two. You have um, as a teenager. I'm 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 interested in uh, Valley Girl came out that year. Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out that year. So I, I'm all about uh, Deborah Foreman and uh, Phoebe Cates. I, the last thing I <laughs> oh, want to do, Kates, I, can I do not want naked aliens. I want naked Phoebe Cates.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, actually, I saw uh, Deborah Foreman on some show lately, and, and uh, she was in the nude, and she looks a lot like E.T. nude. Oh, don't
0: tell me that. She does. Yeah. You, don't, you don't know how, how, how wrecking that is to everything <laughs> I believe in. Deborah Te- Foreman was was everything to me, along with uh, Ione Sky and the whole bunch of them in the 80s. Oh, my God. So anyway, of course, that year, um, the winner is Gandhi. Gandhi. Well, you know, that's that old Hollywood style, the big epic
1: cast of thousands, uh, a biography, a, a, an important historical figure. You've seen that over and over and over again. Yeah. This is Hollywood. It is Holden. a great movie, though. I mean, I mean it, it is a great movie. It's much, much too long. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kingsley, Ben Kingsley, was terrific. Certainly deserved the the Oscar there. I'm not sure exactly who else was nominated that year. I would guess. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. He. No, he won. he won. He won. He won.
0: He would have probably been up. Well, I'm thinking, wouldn't he have been up against Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie? And Tootsie,
1: yeah. That, and see, but if you're looking at a movie that just has that kind of uh, wide appeal, and it isn't just looked at as sort of a a family flick like E. T. is, you can't do any better than Tootsie. That's one of the great all-time comedies, right there. That yeah. ranks with some like It Hot, and it ranks with uh, you know, uh, Spinal Tap. It ranks with yeah. you know, a lot of the great comedies of true, all time. True.
0: Are you saying that nobody in New York will work with me? Oh, no, that's too limiting. Nobody in Hollywood wants to work with you either. I can't even send you up for a commercial. You play the tomato for 30 seconds, they want a half a day over schedule because you wouldn't sit down. Yes, it wasn't logical. You were a tomato! Um, 1983, we have The Big Chill, The Dresser, The Right Stuff, Tender Mercies, and Terms of Endearment. hmm and uh, the winner was Terms of Endearment. Now, you know, that shouldn't have been a surprise, right? Or was uh, it, it wasn't a surprise to me because it, it, uh, I remember it uh,
1: pretty much swept its way through the awards season at that time. All of the right stuff did have its share of support, too. Um, you know, that, that's a toss-up for me. I think the right stuff is, is better filmmaking. I think terms of endearment has uh, the stronger acting and stronger sc- uh, screenwriting going for it. Yeah. But when you talk about you know what they had to do to to, to convey the period of, of the fifties and sixties and the right stuff, the special effects, which you know certainly are not as easy to a- uh, achieve as they are today with computer generation, um, that's that's a that's a, a pretty monumental piece of filmmaking there. And remember, we had the um, the patriotic. Oh battle. Yeah. Patriotic film. It was the best patriotic film in the right. 80s, and I picked the right stuff. And you right. picked, uh, what was it again?
0: Tootsie. It no, it wasn't whatsoever. Tootsie.
1: You didn't say... It. I know. She was prancing in front of the American flag, but that's not what you picked. Yeah, I love that You picked that Red scene. Dawn, wasn't I think it? I picked Red Dawn. Red Dawn. And, or, and that's right. I gave you the uh, t-shirt when you ended up getting, yeah. getting more votes. Go back. Uh,
0: we'll, we'll link to him again. But the same time you were listening to this blog, I'll link to our... Uh, Steve and I had an epic battle about uh, who... What were the top five patriotic movies of the eighties? And um we really went back and forth on this. And and uh I remember I remember not wanting to give up um the right stuff. I, I really wanted to write about that one, but it d- didn't fit my whole motif of, you know, basically clown movies, which is the five that I picked, you know, or just kind of joke movies, but uh
1: Well you certainly had the home blog advantage though too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. because you have you your your listeners and, and, and uh posters number in the millions and my three or four uh, visitors who I get regularly just couldn't compete with that kind of uh, you know, that kind of onslaught.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, you're missing out, gang. If you don't check out Steve's blog, it's uh, it's linked off my blog. It's easy to find, and um, just look for the uh, the crankiest blog that you have yeah. on there, because I I do get pretty it's, cranky. Sometimes. It's film with attitude. I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, a little bit. 1984. We have nominated for best picture. Amadeus... The killing fields, a passage to India, places in the heart, and a soldier's story is was there
1: a single worst movie year than nineteen eighty four um in that decade I'm not sure
0: you know what's sad is nineteen eighty four now you've really got all the teen movies of the era really hitting their stride mm-hmm. I, I'm a, and uh, for them to pick these
1: – Well, see, th- that, may be, that may be where it sort of really kicked in with them. They, they could see the youth movement taking over. They really? could see the demographic shifting as far as who's buying all the tickets. Yeah, uh, And this is their last gasp, you know, clutching at those th- straws, trying right. to say, no, we've got to make art, not yeah. just commerce. Uh, and, and the commerce has to be smart art too. But out of, the, out of that group there, um, Killing Fields was a great movie. I couldn't watch it again. No. Uh, never saw A Passage to India. Me neither. Places in the Heart, I, I checked out a little bit here and there just to see. Is that Sally Field? It was Sally Field. Oh, John, young John Malkovich, one of his first roles. That was very good. Danny Glover. Um, a Soldier's Story, I have a little bit of affection for because uh, even though it's a very stagey production, of course, it, it originated as a soldier's uh, tale, I think it was, on Broadway, on Broadway or on, on the stage. And Norman Jewison, uh, who directed the film is absolutely one of my favorite filmmakers. The guy who did *In the Heat of the Night*, uh, later *The Hurricane*, um, *Thomas Crown Affair*, the first one, the the good one. Uh, he's he's always been one of my favorite filmmakers, so I have some affection for that. But *Amadeus* is one it took me about ten years to see because I just because really? I just didn't want to watch it. And then when I got married, um, Diane put that in sort of the uh, prenuptial agreement that, that I had to sit down and watch Amadeus with her, and I really got a sort of a kick out of that. I really did. Tom, I love, yeah. Tom Hulse was uh, was terrific in that thing, even better than uh, F. Murray Abraham, if you ask me. And he's yeah. the guy who won the Oscar that year. For uh, they were both area. good.
0: I mean, everybody. Uh, you have uh, was it Jeffrey Jones mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. playing uh, the the Emperor of Austria, right? Easily one of his more interesting roles, you know. Well, certainly
1: better than the role he's playing now. Yeah,
0: not at all. Or prison, prison bird, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Is he still? I don't know
1: if he's still in he's, I, He was living down in Sarasota. I understand. Uh, understood a few months ago and hadn't hadn't reported his uh, status and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So
0: I know. I know that uh, for the most part, anybody who's into classical music considers you to be a total phony if the only classical music you own is the soundtrack to Amadeus. <laughs> and I will proudly admit soundtrack. I love soundtrack, Falco. I, Falco's great. What are you talking <laughs> Rock about? Rock me on my days. He wrote Derek, Derek Harmasar. I don't understand what the problem is. It's Wasn't like, that
1: Falco that did brought me on my days? Yeah, it was.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, the, um, but I do actually own the soundtrack. It's Edie Falco, I think. Edie Falco's a, yeah, I love a totally love her on the, different podcast. I love her on The Sopranos, too. Yeah. I never have seen a single episode of The Sopranos. Can you believe I that? I
1: didn't until the last couple of the seasons. I started catching up since I knew it was going to run out. I figured I might as well try. And, you know, I sort of got into it and mm. i like the ending
0: too 20 years from now i'll be uh, i'll be doing a podcast about the sopranos i, su- I suspect 1985 um hmm. the color purple kiss of the spider woman out of africa pritzy's honor and witness my favorite that year was pritzy's honor because i'm a huge jack nicholson
1: fan uh, always have been since the first time I saw Easy Rider, and I, I it was showing at my dad's theater, and I walked out of the theater and I walked to the uh, the one sheet poster and I said, okay, I I know that I recognize Peter Fonda, and I think that was Dennis Hopper, and he's all that hair, that guy who I really thought was the coolest thing around must be named Jack Nicholson. So ever since then, he's been my favorite. And so you put him together with Kathleen Turner, playing a uh, married uh, mafia murderers who who have to put out a hit on each other. That's uh, and and directed by John Huston, uh, one of the best movies in, in his illustri- illustrious career too. Uh, you couldn't beat that one, as far as I was concerned.
0: The Academy, however, says otherwise. They pick out of Africa. I can't. I can't. I, the name bores me.
1: I had a um, uh, a posting about the uh, the recent Oscar nominations on my blog the other day. That, that's uh, blogs dot dot com slash movies. And uh, one uh, one reader posted on there and said, you know, I don't care about the Oscars anymore. Uh, it always seems that every best picture of the uh, winner has a shot of two elephants walking off into the sunset together and out of Africa, of course, is what he's referring to there as far as having that kind of boring, you know, pretentiousness to them like that. Of course, I remember Chicago. I, I said, yeah, uh, Chicago had the same shot, but maybe that was just Queen Latifah and, and oh, John C. Nasty. Riley. I'm not sure. Nasty.
0: 1986. Now we're finally in the second half of the decade. We are faced with the nominations of children of a lesser God, Hannah and her sisters, the mission platoon, and a room with a view. All right, I'm going to go silent for a second
1: so I can talk about uh, Children of a Lesser God, just like um, Marley Matlin does. Sign this.
0: (laughs) I can't believe you just said that. It's totally obscene, Sean. He didn't mean it. You know, um, your head was probably born that way. (laughs) Um, The winner, of course, platoon.
1: I love this place at night.
0: The stars. There's no right or wrong in them. You're just there. Of of all years, uh, I mean, Hannah and her sisters certainly worthy.
1: I always thought that was one of uh, Woody Allen's more overrated films. Ooh. I mean, I was I was a huge Annie Hall fan, yeah. uh, and I was a huge Manhattan fan. Uh, Hannah and her sisters, I thought he just got a little bit too close. He, he, he reverted back to a little bit more of his interiors Bergmanesque stage, which really turned me off when he got into that. Uh, so yeah, aside from some performances, especially Diane Weist, she ended up winning an Oscar that year for Best Supporting Actress, I believe. Um, it just didn't grab me and didn't didn't move me as much as as it was a poor pale imitation of,
0: uh, of Manhattan, if you ask me. Now, did, what did Manhattan win? Did it win anything? I don't think it did. Uh, no,
1: it was nominated for quite a few. Uh, but um,
0: does the Oscars I, just have it in for Woody?
1: I mean, is he just not? I mean, they like him as a writer. Um, I think they I think they got sort of felt embarrassed excuse me, about, um, about giving Annie Hall uh, the top Oscars in the same year as Star Wars. So I think that sort of came back to haunt them. And, and, but he's, he's, he has won. Uh, I have to check myself on this. He's either tied with Billy Wilder or he's just ahead of Billy Wilder in terms of total nominations and wins among screenwriters. Nice. So uh, they, they do like what he writes. They just don't exactly like how he um,
0: transfers it to screen all the time. Oh, well. <laughs> La di da, la dee da, la la, yeah. 1987. I can say this with uh, total uh, glee. From this year, almost until from 1987, almost through today, um, I I, I set out to basically watch every movie that was nominated for Best Picture before I saw the Oscars. I really wanted to be able to go in there and say, you know, I have an opinion one way or another. So this was the first year I actually pulled this stunt off, and. um, so I got to see that year. Broadcast News, Fatal Attraction, Hope and Glory, The Last Emperor, and Moonstruck. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a strong year. Yeah, that is a very good year. Very strong year. Mm-hmm. The winner, though, The Last Emperor. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, nobody else did
1: either, especially since it uh, I, I believe it swept all of its nominations that year, too. I think it was nominated for
0: 10. Yeah, 9 or 10. 9 or 10. And, 10 and, got them and, all. and
1: won everything. That it, it wasn't nominated for any acting performances. Uh, but Bernardo Bertolucci. Uh, This is one of those kinds of situations where um, Hollywood or the Academy in in particular gets to sort of honor those kinds of masters that they've always admired and who wouldn't play their Hollywood games with them. So maybe we can lure them in. Um, They can do it with achievement awards as they've done with people like uh, Akira Kurosawa, those kinds of folks. And every once in a while, you get somebody like a Bertolucci who would make a movie that would reach our shores uh, and they could. You know plow into it with a whole bunch of uh, of um, attention, too bad though, because broadcast news oh man, I was a huge james L brooks fan between oh, yeah. between this and terms of endearment, especially uh, but once again he 'd uh, just won a couple of years before two or three years before with terms of endearment the, uh, there, were, there was a lot more politicizing and i don 't mean i don 't mean political in terms of you know republican democrat stuff, but a lot more politicizing of the Oscars at that time I and mean, they 've started getting away from it a little bit where we don't have as many payback Oscars now. Uh, we don't have as many you know, last hurrah Oscars now as one we're going to get into in just a minute here with Henry Fonda. Um, and and you don't have as many of those kinds of things where, hey, we've already given it to him before a couple of years ago. So let's get, you know shovel up to somebody else. They've, they've, they've toned down that kind of thinking a little bit. Um, but I think that's definitely what hurt um, James Brooks in that year. The broadcast news didn't get more, you know, more attention and more wins than it did. And Moonstruck, terrific movie, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, and
0: what? Cher win for that, I think. She
1: won She won Best Actress. And once again, that's Norman Jewison, one of my
0: favorite directors yeah. right there. Terrific, yeah, terrific movie, film movie. Definitely one of my favorites from the 80s. Do you love him, Loretta? my I love him awful. Oh, God, that's too bad. Up to the year 1988 now, uh, the nominees were... The Accidental Tourist, Dangerous Liaisons, Mississippi Burning, Rain Man, and Working Girl.
1: Hmm. I I couldn't make it through uh, Accidental Tourist. I Uh, I really couldn't. I Um, did. I saw it all the way through. And Dangerous Liaisons, that was during my period where anything that had uh, a corset and uh, heaving bosoms in it and, and British accents just didn't really appeal to me that much. What? Well, I mean, it's the heaving bosoms part I could put up with. But the corsets and the British accent, no, I, I couldn't yeah. do that. Well,
0: especially since they're supposed to be in France.
1: Yeah, well, that's
0: true. I, it it, it that kills always, me. Why is it, uh, you know, I love i love uh, movies about World War II where the Nazis all have the British accent.
1: I think uh, Tom Cruise's next one, The Valkyrie, where he's playing the guy who uh, plots to kill Hitler. Uh, I understand he's the only person in there who tries to put on a German accent and everybody else is British.
0: British. Yeah. I love that. And the British, everyone in uh, The Empire Strikes Back is pretty much British. I like that, too. The evil empire, indeed. Um, the I've, winner this year, Rain Man. Yeah,
1: uh, I you know I, I didn't have any any real complaint about that. That was one of those movies that you know, it was a feel good type of thing. Uh, Cruz was on his way up. Hoffman, you know, was was re- really in his stride. Uh, his his mature stride before he, you know, got older and started settling for you know the was it
0: du- Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium oh, and that sort of thing. What a joke. Um, so Rain Man wins. Um, Justin Hoffman wins. Interesting year. Forever gives uh, life to the to the uh, memorable line. Teamwork sucks. Yep. And uh,
1: and uh, what uh, twenty years later, it's or yeah it still does. Or Do you think they paid
0: later. for that? That was that part of product placement. You think?
1: No, I, I don't think product placement was that, was that big at that time. I think E.T. was the first movie that actually started uh, using that, but that wasn't after the fact. They used, they used Reese's Pieces in the movie, right. and then after that, they realized they could have made some money you know, f- for the product placement.
0: Back to the you know, Futures, uh, I think I have read, is one of the f- first few movies that really tried to go and take advantage of product placement because you've got Pepsi mm-hmm. and Burger King and uh, I think Nike. And, DeLorean. Uh, Texaco. Yeah, DeLorean. That worked out well for them. (laughs) Jeez. 1989, we're finally at the end of the 80s, and uh, we're left with the movies Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poets Society, Driving Miss Daisy, Field of Dreams, and My Left Foot.
1: And this is one of those years where you really see how, you know, namby-pamby the Academy can be sometimes. The winner is Driving Miss Daisy. Right. Sweet Story. You know, it's a it's a nice little feel good. It's a Hallmark, Hall of Fame type yeah, of thing. It's not a that has that has a couple of you know, really fine performances in it, uh with Jessica Tandy and and Morgan Freeman.
0: I tell you, Dan Aykroyd gets gypped in this movie because I've—I ne- mean, I've uh, my family grew up, uh, my dad's family grew up in Atlanta, and I've never seen anybody channel an Atlanta accent yeah. like Dan Aykroyd does. Mm-hmm. And for him not to get anything out of this movie, he was nominated for an was Oscar. he? He, was he deserved it a I mean, an actor, yeah. That was a fantastic performance.
1: But uh, you know, born on the Fourth of July. Once again, here's the Oliver Stone thing. He's won just a few years before for Platoon, so we won't give it to him now. Tom Cruise hasn't paid his dues yet. Right. You know, we don't want to give it to two Tom Cruise movies in a row after Rain Man. That's the kind of you know thinking that they were think- that they applied to marking their balance. Field of Dreams, great commercial hit, and and, and certainly a, a, a an impressive emotional connection that that, uh, that people made with it, and I still have that. But My Left Foot is a terrific movie, and I know it's it's you know. From the British Isles, and I, but uh, Daniel Day Lewis—you watch him in that movie, and it's amazing what he does with that that role as this cerebral palsy right. uh, person who uses learns how to write with his toes with now, his foot.
0: Now there was a rumor that I remember at the time about Daniel Day Lewis, and he won for Best Actor, mm-hmm. and there was a rumor going around that the only reason he won was the vote was so divided among the the major contenders that year that he somehow. But he was on everybody's ballot as number two or something. I don't even know how the how it works that he somehow slipped, you know, kind of slipped on through and, and won it, even though he was very few people's pick. I don't know
1: how the ballots were uh, were computed at that particular time, but it, it's possible that uh, as they're going through their initial nomination processes, you and and the final ballot, if if they're ranking with you know. If they pick these top five and rank them in order, yeah, you see somebody like a um, – who else was nominated that year? Let's say – or Tom Cruise, let's say, for Born on the Fourth of July. He right. was. Somebody doesn't like Cruise. They don't think he's paid yeah. his
0: dues. They throw him down there in the fifth. Thing. Fifth. I mean, you either love Cruise or you hate Cruise, so yeah. you're either going to put him one or five probably. And that was before Scientology. So Yeah, you know. I know. God, can you imagine there was a time when we could talk about Tom Cruise and it wasn't related to Scientology? And now now it's like the, the two are inseparable. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure he doesn't I, – I, it seems intentional on his part. Um, Borderland, the Fourth of July is one of those few movies, and um, I can't watch it anymore. I mean, I think I remember really enjoying it at the time, but I, I saw it on cable within the last two months, and it just does not – Play well.
1: I can watch the yeah. second half. That's another movie that I'll use in, in uh, a class that I've taught before. You know, when, when I get into movie genre, American movie genres and the war movies and that sort of thing. So I've used Patton and I use MASH and I use Catch-22 and I use you know, Born on the Fourth of July and, and The Deer Hunter and those kinds of things. The second half of that movie, you know, after.
0: Yeah, it it well, it's it, him it, and Defoe in Mexico. Are you talking about that, that? Yeah.
1: Well, from from a, like that point on, yeah. You know, af, after he's, he, after he's gone to Vietnam and after he's uh, handicapped and and starts applying, it you know, goes crazy and then starts applying his hatred and everything else and and his fire fury, you know, toward a goal. That uh, you know, that movie, that part of the movie still works for me. But the old, uh, you know, the picket fence, oh, it's, White House, oh, America, you know, and and this guy's going to go over and, and thinks he's going to do the right thing for his country and, yeah. and end up getting blown away or half away you know, because of it. That gets pretty tough to handle. Yeah, it's acid
0: while. reflux city, yeah. totally. So that's the those are the uh, the contenders and the winners for the '80s. Anything stand out if you had to name like a movie of the '80s from the, from those winners? I mean, is there something that you kind of say this is? From the winners, from the winners,
1: I wouldn't pick any of the winners. Uh, Platoon would probably be the closest, uh, but I, as far as, as far as being emblematic of of whatever quality there was on display in the eighties, I, th- I think you know the Academy got got it wrong pretty much. You know, ten out of ten, uh, or at least nine out of ten, and like I said, Platoon. But um, you know, it's 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 the kind of thing where people have always put given a little bit too much credit to the Academy for speaking for all of Hollywood. And that's why the that's why you've seen the uh, the acceleration of other award shows like the Golden Globes, like the Screen Actors Guild, those kinds of things, of critics groups, in some cases, to to sort of say, you know, hey, these guys are not the be all end all. You know, we know everything about it uh, about Hollywood type stuff. And you see them, you see these kinds of things divided out, and and, and the choices being uh, spread out a little bit more.
0: Have you ever actually attended them in person?
1: Yeah, I was at the Oscars uh, four times. Four times. Uh, actually, you want to hear a Nicholson story? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, the last time I went there was uh, 1998, so it was the movies for 97, which was the Titanic year. Uh-huh. Uh, the first year I went there, uh, I was just so impressed with it. That was like 94, I think. That was the, I want to say it was the Schindler's List year. I believe it was. Um, and I said at that time, I, I wanted to be there on a night when Nicholson won because, I, I, like I said, what my affection for him was. And I wanted to be able to ask him a question at the uh, at the post-show show press conference. And what they do is they give you these little pall- uh, uh, pallets like uh, uh, like they have at auctions and stuff. Right, yeah, and you it. have a number assigned to you. They come in and they say, okay, Jack Nicholson's going be, to be in here in five minutes. If you want to ask a question, raise your paddle. Boom. Mine goes up. And I get picked first. Oh, nice. So this is the night, uh, the Titanic night. Um, he's won. This is the 70th an- uh, anniversary. He's just won his uh, Oscar for uh, As Good As It Gets. And um, I, got, I walked up there to the to the uh, little podium. He's standing up there just being Jack. And um, I said, congratulations, Jack. And he says, well, thank you very much. And I said, um, you know, I always see these award shows. You always seem to be having such a good time. What's it like to always be the coolest son bitch in the whole room? And luckily he laughed, and luckily the 300 journalists behind me also laughed, and I was, my knees were shaking. I've got it on, I still have the tape someplace with that, and he gave me some kind of answer that I wasn't even hearing at the time, because it was just that that kind of release. But actually before the show, uh, I ran into him outside, Um, didn't really run into him, but um, this was before 9-11, of course. They had just installed for the first time metal detectors outside the, uh, this was at the Shrine Auditorium. And I was out in the red carpet area. I walked around the outside of the Shrine Auditorium to go back to the press area because the press is not sitting in the, in the seats in, in place. We have to wear tuxedos or evening gowns or something like that, but we are in a, in a tent in the back or something. And I'm walking back there and Jack had decided he wasn't going to go down the red carpet. He's coming in through the metal detectors. And this on-the-spot security guards ask him to empty his pockets when he, when he set something off. So I sidled over there, and I'm like, I want to see what Giant Nicholson has in his pockets. That might be pretty interesting. And didn't even realize it. And there's a guy behind Nicholson looking at the security guard. And he's waving his hands wildly, and he's saying, don't, 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 don't. you know who that is? Don't do that. He did anyway. So just got a kick out of that. He leaves. I wished him good luck. He says, thank you very much, and that sort of thing. So, Entertainment Weekly comes out the next week with the Oscar wrap-up, and there's a there's a photograph that covers two pages uh, in there of Nicholson being stopped at this metal detector, and I'm standing behind him with my tuxedo, and my dark sunglasses on, I, and, and I was about ten feet behind him, but it looks like I'm right over his shoulder, like I'm his bodyguard or something. <laughs> and uh, it's one of my one of my proudest little uh, mementos of those kinds of things. So yeah, I've been to the Oscars before; it's no big deal. Okay. <laughs> I think I still have one of Wolfgang Puck's little chocolate Oscars in the freezer. It's probably green by now.
0: Oh, man. I, I think that would probably be I, – I have no interest in the Grammys whatsoever. I consider it the most uh, fraudulent uh, awards ever given by mankind. Don't listen to him, Sean. Don't and, listen to him. No, seriously. And you know, Sean said something about this last 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 week, where he was talking about how um, or he was talking. We had some interview on TV last weekend, and he was talking about whether well, the, the writer strike certainly won't make it through the Grammys because that's the most prestigious award show there, that there ever was. And I just about spit up my lunch when he said that. I think I think it'd be a pretty good party.
1: Yeah, I don't but know. Uh, you know, I I, I watch the phonies. MTV Music Awards every year just so I can sort of keep up with what's going on in music. Yeah. I mean, I listen to XM pretty much the same station or two uh, all the time. So I don't know um, – hell, I didn't know what Black Eyed Peas were except, you know, I like to put them in my applesauce. Yeah.
0: Oh, God. Now I'm going <laughs> put them on lunch again. <laughs> one of these days, though, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out a way to get to the Oscars if it, if it kills me. And hopefully it's when uh, Ione Skye is getting her Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, I
1: think you may have a long wait for that. I'm willing bunker, to wait for you. Ione. Actually, I think you might find Ioni out there on the corner, of uh, outside the uh, Kodak Theater, just with a will work for food. Oh, sacrilege. <laughs> type of thing. What's
0: happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. And I could not be in, in better company than right here with Steve Persall, the film critic for the St. Petersburg Times. It's a nice gong you have there, too. It is. It's uh, No more Yankee, my wanky. The dog needs food. <laughs> The um, this is the segment where we play a piece of a movie from the eighties, and if you can name it correctly, you win an autographed bag of Funyuns from Sean Daly. Um, and I say that in full knowledge that we have not yet purchased a single bag of Funyuns, nor has he autographed any, nor have I, nor have I actually mailed any out. But he promises that he's going to do it as soon as he's back from his uh. Paternity leave, or whatever you would call it. What
1: do you yeah, call it? Paternity leave. Paternity leave. I, I guess. I don't know. Why did dads get the time off now? They I don't didn't know. Have, he didn't have to go through all the uh, grunting, groaning, straining, and
0: I don't stuff. know. He ate a lot of funyuns in the last week, so there's been some groaning and straining. I can assure <laughs> you. Um, I know. I know. Steve's going to get this right off the bat. He doesn't even get to 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 play this week. But listen carefully. Here is the, your movie clip. There is a very fine line between love and nausea. Steve Bursal. Oh, that's easy. I what know too. <laughs>
1: Why don't you just go ahead and say, okay, here's today's word scramble, T-E.
0: <laughs> uh, he jests because he loves me so much. Anyway, if you think you know the name of the movie, email us at stuckinneedies at com because Steve Persall knows that you are a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain that is, name that 80s tune. It is the weekly segment where we play a piece of a song from the 80s. And if you can name the song and the artist, again, those Funyuns are yours. And um, I'm told they only come in one flavor. Yeah. Uh, onion. onion. Yeah, <laughs> I asked Sean, I was like, what what flavors do they come in? And he looked at me like I'd, like I'd beaten his... No, yeah, uh, but seriously,
1: that's probably one of the few fast foods that hasn't added other yeah, tastes but, to it.
0: I'm like, well, aren't they don't they have like hot and mild? He's like, no, they come in onion. I'm like, well, okay, I'm sorry. I haven't eaten any since I was... 12 years old, you I'm You can't sorry. get much
1: more stank than that.
0: Oh, God. Can you imagine the, the smell of his house? I mean, it's Sean Daly <laughs> and Funyuns for like a week on, on by themselves. Uh, beer.
1: A little stale beer one uh, or too, I'm sure. Oh,
0: God. It's just, just really making me nauseous. Anyway, listen carefully, because this is your mystery tune. That used to be my favorite song. It wasn't Falco. It was not Falco. Did you see that some pranksters in San Francisco recent, recently uh, dedicated a stairway, an outdoor staircase, to the memory of Falco? No. Seriously. I'm waiting for the punchline. There, no, there's no punchline. It was, it, was it was done as a prank. Um, the city of Vienna, you know, where Falco was born, did the same thing mm-hmm. right after his death in 98. And for some reason, the people in uh, San Francisco thought it would be funny to do the same thing. Wow. So, there you go. Um, you know what I did
1: notice, though, when I was at the
0: um, Citrus Park
1: Mall Theater recently, you know, they have the uh, the escalators that go up the stairs. Right. You ever notice who who, uh, who makes those, the company that makes it? It's called Schindler. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Schindler's Lift.
0: Oh, nice. What's it. No, I never noticed. I haven't been to that theater in forever. And it's – for those who don't know what we're talking about, it's in a suburban area of Tampa. And, uh, you know, you're – you have to live in the sticks, sort of. No, not I say that with all loving care to the people who live in the sticks, which includes many of my family, <laughs> most of whom have graduated from uh, high school. Anyway, if you think you know the name of this week's mystery tune, email us at eighties at tampa dot com, or you can you can you know <laughs> log on
1: to blogs dot com slash movies, and I'll give you a hint,
0: because my pimp Steve Brizol knows <laughs> that you too can be a wiener. If you're not ready to give up on mullets in Madonna, log on to Stuck in the 80s, just one of the many blogs you'll find at TampaBay.com, the website of the St. Petersburg Times. Relive the music, movies, and culture of the greatest decade ever. Only at TampaBay.com. And we are back from our totally needless commercial break. Got to give props to the mothership every once in a while.
1: Yeah, well, at least you've got a sponsor.
0: Yeah, it's called uh, my boss. (laughs) Anyway... Um As promised, I do have a special Oscar quiz to see uh, how okay, well. is this Oscar's from the eighties Oscar's only from the eighties only from the eighties now Well they're I,
1: all eighties related I already mentioned that uh, i'm I'm at a disadvantage with the eighties because I was covering music and stand up comedy mostly at that time, and I was still teaching. I had not uh, started this gig nobody yet, so nobody
0: will think less of you
1: i' I've just got to qualify my stupidity right off the bat
0: i ask I have quizzes every week about sean 's family life he doesn't pass those either. I mean, he really doesn't. I mean, he doesn't know his home address. I can tell you anything about Sean's family. I bet you can, you (laughs) wild man. Here we go. Question number one. Play along with us at home. The Color Purple was one of only two movies to have 11 Oscar nominations and not win a single statue. Can you name the other movie that had 11 nominations but not win a single award? Okay, it wasn't in the 80s. It was not an 80s movie.
1: um, I know what it is. Go for it. The Turning Point.
0: Very good. The 1977. Shirley uh,
1: MacLaine, uh, Mikhail Baryshnikov, Anne Bancroft. It was a ballet movie. I never saw it. But <laughs> uh, in doing one of my stories uh, last year on the Oscars and stuff, I came across that thing.
0: Very good. Very good. I have never seen it, never heard of it until I wrote those very words down on this piece of paper not 15 minutes ago. Question number two. How many cast members of Fast Times at Ridgemont High have gone on to win Oscars? Wow. Okay. Nicholas Cage, uh, Forrest Whitaker… Um, I
1: don't think Judge Reinhold won. Did he?
0: I don't think he ever will.
1: <laughs> um, One more. Um, Oh, Sean Penn. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Very good. So three, yeah.
0: Why don't you get a job for Coley? What for? You need money. All <laughs> oh, I need some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. John Penn from Mystic River Nicholas Cage uh, who plays one of the grill guys it's a very minor role in Fast mm-hmm. Times Rich when I, uh, for Leaving Las Vegas wasn't it I yep, think yep. he beat out uh, our friend Richard Dreyfuss for, from uh, Mr. Holland's Opus Mr. Holland's Opus very bitter about that I understand and uh, Forrest Whitaker for Last King of Scotland right so there you just go just last year uh, what's the over under on the next cast member to win from that movie I would probably go with
1: Jennifer Jason Leigh I finally figured it out I don't want sex. Anyone can have sex. Yeah, Stacy, what do you want? I want a relationship. I want romance.
0: Want romance in
1: Richmond? We can't even get cable TV here, Stacy, and want romance. Yeah, I, I think she'd probably be the most likely. And actually, uh if you'd asked me at that well, maybe Sean Penn, but if you'd asked me at that time I would would have figured she would have gotten one before anybody yeah. else in the thing.
0: Eric Stoltz, maybe too?
1: Uh, Stoltz has sort of uh, calmed down his 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 career a little yeah, bit. he's, 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 he's not, not for, doing too much. He's yeah. due for a comeback. He's due for. James so is- James Spader wasn't in that, was he?
0: No, I don't think so. Okay, I'd like to see him win something. Yeah, eventually. he's not bad. Question number three: In the eighties, Warren Beatty was nominated for four different Oscars for the same film. What was that film? Um, it I believe it's Reds. Correct.
1: Uh, but it, didn't he also do that with uh, Heaven Can Wait?
0: Uh, the 70s. In, in the
1: seventies, yeah. The 70s. So I'm just I'm just showing you the, where, where, where my uh, you know expertise is more mm-hmm. in the seventies than the eighties.
0: Look at this. This is this is I'm totally flabbergasted. I, I don't know what it's like to work with someone who actually has knows the material and has studied it ahead of time. <laughs> Normally we'd be on joke I, you, know, ten, no, I'm, you know i'm serious fart jokes by now I, gr- I grew up uh, i grew up
1: in theaters my dad owned and operated theaters drive-ins everything else and i was just a, a huge oscar fan from from birth practically and i just um, you know just stored up all this kind of knowledge uh and especially about people who i like like warren beatty
0: yeah reds has been showing nonstop lately on cable and I, I try to catch a few minutes of it at a time every time it's on
1: i've only caught a few minutes of it you know <laughs> at any time
0: he actually won for best director for uh, Reds. I for believe. Reds, mm-hmm. and um, Maureen Stapleton won for best supporting actress, and I think it also won for cinematography.
1: Uh, yeah, I would, I would, not doubt it. Wouldn't doubt it.
0: Question number four: so This is this one you will not get. In the eighties, there were two actresses nominated as both best actress and best supporting actress for performances in the same year. Who were they? Sigourney Weaver's one ouch you got it
1: that's for gorillas in the mist and working girl i believe yep you got it the other one i can't think of jessica lang jessica lang for uh sweet dreams and tootsie
0: uh for francis francis, francis and tootsie francis and tootsie, francis and tootsie. very go. good that i wouldn't truth be told no way i would have gotten that question right myself Question number five, your last question. I think this. I think everyone's going to get this one, but um, we, we have it in here anyway. So if you're feeling bad at home but you haven't gotten anything right yet, this is this is your makeup exam. Ready? In 1988, Dustin Hoffman won an Oscar for Rain Man. True or false? Tom Cruise earned his first Oscar nomination for the role of Charlie Babbitt.
1: False. He wasn't nominated for it.
0: You're right. <laughs>
1: Um, his first Oscar nomination would have been uh, Born on the 4th of July, I believe.
0: And you're right again. Yeah, there you go. He's been nominated three times so far, also for Jerry Maguire and for... Magnolia. Very good. How about that? Yeah. You know, I went to see Magnolia solely based on your film review because mm-hmm. I think you gave it an A.
1: Yeah. It was one of my favorites. That and
0: year. Um, I, to this day, I... I I, I, I hated. I hated it. You just don't like the frogs. The
1: fro- no, the <laughs> frogs are probably the best part frogs. of the whole movie. It's it's these. Um- <laughs> That's what made you. Re- it reminded you of an eighties disaster movie when the uh, when the yeah. frogs started falling.
0: I bet if I watched it now a second time, I bet I would love it. Do you have to watch movies more than once sometimes to really kind of get the genius of them? You know, really, I don't get a chance to,
1: typically. Yeah. I only get a chance to, and that's that's why some people might think I screw up my opinions sometimes, too. But just just the way things are timed out, um, I don't get a chance to. I had one situation with the, the, the movie The Usual Suspects where they showed it to us, and I was floored by the surprise ending, the twist ending. And I came back to the office, and I actually called up the distributor and I said, look – I really think this is going to be a great movie. I've got to find out if this thing is, is is as foolproof as I think it is. And they set up another screening for me. And you went back, and, and saw I watched it. back. I went back just to see if they had left any, you know, dangling threads or you know, took any cheats or anything like that. And I couldn't figure no, it. It was, a, it, was, it was a
0: perfect. Uh, it was a perfect little whodunit. Yeah, I, I love that movie as well. Anyway, that's it for our Oscar conversation this week. Steve Persall has been fantastic. He is channeling Sean Daly, except for uh, he's got no funny body here. No funny. Yeah, no funny. No yeah, no yeah. Far fewer fart jokes. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Stuck in the 80s. In the meantime, Steve Persall, myself, Charlie Babbitt, Dustin Hoffman, Richard Dreyfuss.
1: Uh, we want to thank
0: you very much. The cast of Chariots of Fire. Hey, we're all stuck here in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by Tampa Bay.com, the official website of the St. Petersburg Times. Special thanks to Germany's Czech Battery Daily for providing this song for the opening credits. Read the Stuck in the 80s blog at blogs.tampabay.com and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes.